this is the Pie Boy Podcast. Hey, it's Sparky, and this is the Pie Boy Podcast. Welcome back. Last time we were talking about Wildcat Valley. I've been talking it out and thinking about it a little bit more and just thinking about what I learned from that experience of the fake city in our grade school and the trouble that I had. It was for a reason. It taught me a lot about self-esteem and perseverance and overcoming challenges and dealing with stress and anger and I like kind of set me on like a lifetime journey. I wasn't the only trauma in my life, but it definitely something I had to, it took me a while to let go of that. Writing the story has helped me. I talked about that theme of um, letting go, like doing this to let go of stuff, but also to tune into stuff, tune into myself more and let go of things inside of me. I don't need um, to hold on to energy wise and take the weight off through traumatic stories, but also balance that with grace. So we'll see if we can find both of those things. Um, but yeah, Dairy Queen. Um, and that's the name of one of the stories. And the other story today is Sue and the Cigarettes. So chapter 38, Sue and the, and the Cigarettes. For a short time, when mom was doing flowers, cleaning houses, and gardening for people as a side gig, she had this friend of she had this friend named Sue. And she used to pick us up from school and watch us for a few hours. She had two dirty kids our age to hang out with. The dad was a creep and was really mean to Kayla and I. He was really strict about which toys could be played with in terms of his kids as well as which ones Kayla and I could play with. The rest would be locked up in this clear container. I took some out one time, and he flipped his lid, and it got blamed on his son, thank God. I didn't say a word as I watched the dad spank the older son and put him in timeout. He told all of us this was a lesson and we should not cross him again. He was a real creep, like I said before. A crackhead in training. Wife beat her shirt wearing long, greasy ponytail type. The mom was an old hag that didn't say much and smoked cigs like a fiend. The dad was controlling about playing video games on his Sony PlayStation. It was everything to him. He was the dictator of it and was not quick to give us turns. He would let us play when he got too frustrated with a level or got bored. My sister Kayla wouldn't give him the controller back when he asked, and he would get so mad and rip it out of her hands. Then he would make her sit in in timeout. I always felt trapped there when things like that would happen. We were at the mercy of these people, and I was scared to tell my mom. Eventually I did, and she promised we never had to go there again. But that was after many trips. 
The worst part of being with them was how dirty they were. Sue's car was a beater, an old yellow Datsun four-door. It was decorated with old Sig butt butts. First time I got in, I put my feet down into a never-ending pile of cigarette butts. I literally couldn't see the floor and got sick to my stomach. She would smoke with the windows rolled up and then flick the old butts on the floor. The whole car was yellow with nicotine. It was a lot to deal with, and I wanted to crawl out of my skin. After the first ride, I would hold my feet up so they wouldn't touch the floor. She would laugh at me and say I didn't have to hold my feet up because I wasn't going to get the floor any more dirty than it was. She thought I was being polite. I'm pretty sure those people told my mom they weren't interested in watching us anymore, which is ironic because they were the issue, not us. Yeah, they were, they were strange. And I do feel for a while when I thought of that, sorry, I felt some guilt about letting the boy, the kid, of the crazy dad gets spanked because I took out the toy, but I didn't tell the whole story. He had already taken them out. So he like did, I don't think he even knew I was being really sneaky. I played with it really fast and like checked it out and then put it back. And he like the dad knew somehow, but the boy had already gotten stuff out before me that I didn't realize. It's like, the dad was so strict. Like, why would you be like that with toys? Are you worried about them breaking? And then you have to buy more? Or were you just like OCD about the toys? Were they actually your like toys that you thought you were going to make money on? And then the kids opened them and then they had to play with them? I don't know, man. Like, this guy was wild. And this was a long time ago. I was... 10 or younger in this story and i would love when my sister set up to this weirdo i didn't like what would happen but like nothing escalated too much thank god um i don't know i was talking to my wife about being in love with people like this and just the impact of these stories and how it can trigger emotions and what it makes me think of now and what I learned from those moments, just a lot of stuff, but we're so lucky there wasn't other like worse things that happened, more abuse. Like they were bad to us, but I wouldn't say they are abusive, but like except this strictness about toys and getting upset about the controller with my sister and the timeout stuff, like was a little extreme, like not just being in time up with the way it was orchestrated. But some people might say we're sensitive, but not when you were there and experienced like you're a crazy person. It's hard to always put that into terms or even have to explain yourself or, you know, like people just not take your word for it. That's always a thing too. Not everybody's, there's a lot of bullshitters, but in a case like this, I wouldn't bullshit about this person. This dad was crazy and the mom was enabling or something. The cigarette butts were so gross. And I think the kids had like, 
I feel like they took a lot of medicines and weird things. Like they're kind of sickly kids. Oh, I hate to be a Mr. I told you so, but that car, like thinking of it now, I didn't know back then. I just knew it was terrible. It stunk and was so dirty. She probably had it since 74. I think that I was Googling it, thinking about the cover art, trying to find a picture. Because I don't have any picture of these. These aren't the people in my memories or in my picture books that my family have made or pictures they have took of people we are hanging out with. Like, never. This is just in my memory. And it's harsh in there. Except when I write it and talk about it like this. Yeah, I can't believe she smoked the windows up, too. Like, we could have got sick. Maybe we did. I don't know. I don't remember if I got, like, headache or anything like that. But I'm sure, basically, we're smoking, like, secondhand smoke to the max in a car. A dirty car. I'll probably just keep saying the same thing. But it's a really clear harsh memory to hold on to so I don't know like I said I'd let that stuff go how let the kid get spanked but I really didn't but it was weird I've been spanked before and I've said that in a different story my parents were and that's kind of what happened to me but to see it happen to other kids and it's not like somebody it's not your brother or sister or something it's really kind of tough to watch you feel scared like you're next or something it was a lot to think about as a kid not be able to express it and talk to people about it until much later Uh, I think I messed up and read the stories in the wrong order, but that's okay. So that actually was chapter 38, but this is going to be chapter 37. Dairy Queen. Like I originally said. We had this large family of church people that lived behind my grandma's house. At first, we didn't get along with these righteous folks. The kids would make so much noise when they played in the yard next door. After a while, they would get into it with me and my sister after they got jacked up. There's always yelling and screaming over there. They would talk trash to us from across the fence. We started swapping insults and curse words. One day I told them they eat dog shit for breakfast and they like it, which was a quote from one of my favorite movies, The Sandlot. I was so proud of myself. They called me a motherfucker and I called them the same. Then they told their parents, who walked their happy asses over to our house and proceeded to make a big deal about it without hearing the whole story. They didn't know that those kids had been antagonizing my sister and I for a while before that day. And yeah, we did react, but it was just my sister and I against like four or five kids. This somehow led to us becoming friends and we all started to play together 
all the bullshit went out the window and we would play in their yard for hours or they would play in ours for hours as well. The oldest boy became my Tillam McFair ride partner in crime for a couple years and good old neighbor buddy for a few more. After that, the oldest sister of eight kids started babysitting us. Maybe before that. It's hard to say in my memories. She loved watching the little rascals with us and would tell us she had such a big crush on Spanky. She was so much fun. And it's the little, the newer little rascals that came out in the 90s. Not the old, the old one. For a time, we went to church and youth groups uh, with them on Wednesday nights. And it was chaotic, but I think we got something out of it. Time with other kids and some spiritual guidance may have been one of those things. The youth group was run by grumpy and uptight teenagers. They would pick on us for being loud and crazy little kids. It was hard to sit still. The most fun was when they would let us play games like kickball or baseball. I used to pretend to like I was listening to all the God stuff, but really Kayla and I were in it for the free trip to Dairy Queen. If we made it through the preaching, they would give us an ice cream token for the ride home. When I think about it, I had ice cream and didn't learn much about God, really. I do remember their dad speaking with us often because he was the minister. He told us real-life stories that helped me make sense of the scripture they were reading during the Bible study. He told us once about divine intervention and how he used to be a paraglider till the day he almost died in a freak accident. The wind had kicked up unexpectedly and shot him out of control. He luckily lived through the fall and believed it to be a miracle, a true act of God. And I believed him. Maybe not that it was God, but I knew it had to be a higher power or something greater than I could imagine that saved his life and put him on a different path in that life. Yeah, so the only other time I had heard about divine intervention was after this, and it was when I was watching Pulp Fiction, and I wrote this down, thought about it today, and it was with that scene with... Samuel L. Jackson, and they they go as I can't remember the whole scenario, but they're going to get the briefcase at these people that made a deal with them's house, and they had all been to Big Kahuna Burger. It's a big famous scene, and they they didn't tell him about one of their friends hiding in a different room and he comes out and shoots and completely misses them from point blank somehow. And Samuel L. Jackson talks about divine intervention, reads the scripture before he caps, put it puts a cap in these people's asses for trying to kill him. And it just kind of clicked. When I was watching that movie and I thought of this moment, I know for a fact I thought of this moment with Russell's dad, the minister man, and the neighbor guy who for years I didn't know. I had no idea that's what he did. He kind of lived a humble life. They seemed like 
Beverly Hillbillies or something. It's hard to say, but that's like the first thing that pops in my head, kind of city hillbillies. And I think they had moved around a little bit in their life um, as far as like the church went or something. I don't know. I don't think they had always been based in Tillamook for some reason. But this guy, yeah, he would tell these true stories and like that divine intervention was the one that sticks and that's how so I studied like I I'm not saying I'm against religion at all I know I kind of talk fresh about it in the story and have in different times and will but I am a spiritual person and I believe in something I believe in some kinds of energies all kinds not just one but there maybe there is a big one I don't know there's things that happen like divine intervention and luck and being in the right place at the right time and vice versa. And I don't know. I, I started, there's been other moments of divine intervention when I maybe should have gotten hurt or I saw somebody like they should like in this case should have died or something, but a miracle happened. They didn't. And who knows what it was. And yeah, it's just weird that I at first like thought it was just about going to get the ice cream, but that it wasn't. It was just a funny part of the story. It was like a bonus, but I also, I just kind of wanted to hear. And I also, so I've definitely been to church in different times in my life. That was like, a time period and then later in life. And then I also took the Bible as literature. So I, I literally learned about the Bible as like nonfiction, like a true thing to follow and like spirituality and all that stuff around it in different religions. And Buddhism is another one that I've been interested in for a long time. And other Eastern thought um, thoughts and things. And I don't know there. I just always felt there was something, but then I took it as literature and looked at it as like a fictional story and like how, look at how they wrote the story and the main characters and the themes and things, but looking at it in more of a creative way. And it was interesting to just, to justify certain things and all the different arguments we would get into and people like the goal was always to try to not to talk about it like a literal thing, but talk about like a figurative thing, a, a fictional thing. And people would get so heated and it was around the time it was like 2009 or like later 2009 and people had their computers. I think the people had tablets at that point point, and they were just Googling freaking everything when teachers would ask or professors would ask questions and they were like almost finishing the teacher's sentences because they were just looking up everything. It was a bunch of happy horseshit, as my grandma would say, and really annoying. And it was funny the kind of battles we get into those with those people just trying to live in the facts but couldn't talk about anything else. It was like mental masturbation. They just like would never get anywhere outside of that classroom with all that stupid talk. But it makes me think of this, like 
I was looking at it was like a story. I like the story and the messages and the morals and the values and different things. There were things I would take out and they say, I know I've heard many people and theories and thought about like, you can't just pick and choose like a um, small plates menu for religion and stuff. But I don't think because people label that on spirit being spiritual and stuff. And I don't think it is that for me, at least. I think there are certain parts I can take and they work for me because I'm a unique person. So I take things that work for me because of that things based on my needs and beliefs in life and experiences talking about divine intervention and miracles and close encounters and near death experiences and all that kind of stuff. It makes you think differently like reprograms your brain to look at your world now, but in the past, but also in the future, it's like this the tripod of thought all of a sudden because you get more in tune with yourself and what other energies are out there that you want to find similar to like writing and tuning into your wavelength that way too. But I want to, ramble too much but the biggest and most glaring theme of this story is Dairy Queen and we, we didn't only go to Dairy Queen because of this we love Dairy Queen because our family it was like a treat and we live pretty dang close to one and it was a treat I think there was a time where we did that like once a week or every other week and we'd go on like a weeknight and I remember the chicken strip basket was the best. It was so gangster back then. They've like pumped it up again, but back in the day, you'd get all the things. Everything came in it, the gravy and the bread and the chicken strips and the fries and the cold slaw. Like all of it was just like one big platter of stuff, and it was so good. And, man, yeah, the OG days of Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen was like popping. It's different now. It's still good. Don't get me wrong. But what it came from, what it was built on, 80s and 90s Dairy Queen was, whoof, yellow. And that's that was just a bonus. We knew, like, I felt like we knew something that the church kids that were hanging out with didn't. Like, they went every once in a while. We went a couple more times than them. And so we knew more stuff. And the tokens get you stuff and uh, i remember it's funny that the people working at dairy king which one of them was my old babysitter i lived across the street and they were really snotty about if you had the ice cream token which the tokens whatever they they use those for everything i would get them in boy scouts and i would get them in basketball or baseball or softball like different sports i would do um i'd get them at school for different things but it was they said it was either a cone or a dip cone or like a parfait. And that didn't mean nuts. And I remember my friend Russell wanted the nuts. He wanted the peanut buster parfait without like paying for that. He wanted the token to be there for like a small one and they like wouldn't do it and like 
the dad coming over and like talk, trying to talk him into it. And they did it. But like my, it was my old babysitter that wouldn't do it and was being a snot. Uh, who knows if it was because she knew who I was or not, but it was just funny. But I remember oh, loving that, the hot fudge so bad. Like I haven't had Dairy Queen in so long. I think we've had it in the pandemic. Maybe we went on a little cruise, a little drive to the drive-thru. Maybe. But that'd be worth it. It's on my mind. My sister worked at Dairy Queen. At one point, my mom, I didn't know, recently told me that she did. I think it was the one in Oregon City, actually. Same one as my sister, which is on the hill. I thought, I didn't realize I had been there for that long. Maybe if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But she said she she did that and i remember going and getting dairy queen for my sister oh man it was fun i remember living with her and when she still worked there and having dilly bars in the fridge freezer often and she'd also do like gangster her own um version of stuff and dip it like double dip it in multiple flavors and things oh, she knew what she was doing oh man i love that stuff that was that was a golden era of time for sure um think about it. i gotta get a dilly bar this summer we were visiting in maine uh, to my wife's family and we had gone to dairy queen it's kind of hard not to if you know there's one in your perimeter and if you really like it and we went a couple times to this one in wells and at one point we were in there and we had to wait a, lot, a little bit longer and it's kind of messed up we're right by the freezer and they have it all for you to see um stuff to take home and they had a like a box at 12 dilly bars for like five bucks or something it was such a good deal to buy it pre-dipped like oof, but nothing beats the still kind of warm dip chocolate so on that note go get yourself a dairy queen tell them sparky sent you and i'll talk to you next time got some new stories new fe new feelings new flavors new reflections and uh i'll see you out there till next time peace